4: Hey everybody, it's Monday, October 17th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G., Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio, and we've got the specialists. Turn the camera on yourselves. They don't have the camera. They don't have the camera on themselves today. Aw, boo. Anyway. We appreciate all your work, a cast of dozens that help us put on this show each and every week. And Florio, I see you are rocking the Stefan Diggs shirt. You are still basking in the glow. I know like I know the season still has a long way to go, but you got to feel good about what happened on Sunday.
5: I, I came in this morning and I was like, look, I know it's still only week six. A, a lot could change, but if things go according to plan, the AFC now goes through Buffalo and, and I feel great about that.
4: I thought about that after that game with the, the Bills, of course, winning, beating the Chiefs. On Sunday, and I thought about it because I remember, you know, for me being back in the 90s when it was the Cowboys and the 49ers, and when those two teams played, you always felt like whoever won that game in the regular season was probably going to host the NFC Championship game, and that's sort of what this feels like that whoever won that game was probably going to have the road to the playoffs run through their stadium. So now Looks like everybody's got to go to Western New York to get to the Super Bowl.
5: I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but it could (laughs) happen where the AFC championship game is not only Mahomes' first time playing in Buffalo, and I mean, January in Buffalo, that's a hard place to play. It could also be his first ever road playoff game. That's true.
4: Wow, that's an amazing, that's an amazing yeah. thought. Kudos actually. to him. Absolutely, kudos to him and the Chiefs. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way, but definitely a big win for the Buffalo Bills. we got plenty to talk about. We'll have our biggest takeaways from Sunday. We'll go over some waiver wire stuff also. We're going to reevaluate our prior. Some of the things that we came into the season thinking that now that we are six weeks in, we're going to have to maybe take stock of and make some adjustments. But first... Let's get started with some fantasy headlines. We'll start in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett left the game on Sunday against the Buccaneers with a concussion. Mitch Trubisky came in and actually helped propel the Steelers to victory. Made a couple of really nice throws down the stretch to seal the game against Tampa. So we'll see what the status is going to be for Pickett. Obviously, Trubisky, we know we're not starting. Does this change maybe which Steelers pass catchers we're starting, though?
5: Yeah, I, I think all of them get a lower ceiling with Mitch Trubisky. He's just not as uh he wasn't throwing downfield as much as Kenny Pickett has been. And it's kinda wild to say that like the rookie's been the more aggressive one of the two. I still think Deontay Johnson's in play because even You know, with the quarterback being up in the air every week, he's like their team leader in targets, but like Chase Claypool had the game that I thought George Pickens was going to have. So between those two, I I still think I prefer Pickens, but right now, I don't know if you can start either one of them with much confidence. I think that's the thing. Deontay Johnson is still startable, although he's been underwhelming so
4: far this year, but he's the guy that I still have faith in. I don't know that I believe what I saw from Chase Claypool enough to trust him going forward. And you're right, the Trubisky. Pickens connection had never really materialized. So I think I'm staying away from it there. So we'll see what happens with Pickett, whether or not he's able to go. But right now in concussion protocol call a lot of news coming out of Arizona on Monday morning. Let's start with Marquise Brown, who left Sunday's game against the Seahawks in the fourth quarter with a foot injury. Now x-rays on the foot came back negative, but Brown was seen after the game. In a walking boot. However, per our own Ian Rappaport, the Cardinals fear Brown has suffered a serious foot injury and he is going to miss a significant amount of time. Also of note on Monday, the Cardinals traded for Panthers receiver Robbie Anderson. Now, Anderson seems to have an ignominious end with his old team. He was kicked out of the Panthers game on Sunday by interim head coach Steve Wilks. To throw this all into perspective, the Cardinals host the Saints On Thursday night, DeAndre Hopkins is off suspension and eligible to play, but Florio, I mean, the first thing is this trade for Robbie Anderson suggests that the Cardinals do have some real concern over Marquise Brown. This is a mess right now. I mean, if you've got Brown, if you've got Hopkins, you're not confident either one of them is going to play. I mean, I guess the question is, does this make you confident or worried about Kyler Murray on a short week?
5: Yeah, I'm worried about Kyler Murray, who the Cardinals offense looked lost yesterday. Uh, It's a tough matchup in a short week against a Saints defense. Um, I don't think you could start Robbie Anderson this week because uh, he's got to learn a whole playbook and everything. He might not even be active. I think D-Hop, if you've waited this long, I'm okay getting him in. I'm understanding the risk that he could be limited or something like that. Rondell Moore gets a boost in the interim, but in the long term, like, there's no replacing Marquise Brown, who has been a top 10 wide receiver through this point. I think the only thing that I'm thinking of is, like, when, he, when D-Hop was returning, I was expecting him to return to like that X role, and then maybe Marquise Brown could get more shots downfield opposite of him. I'm guessing that's how Robbie Anderson will be used, because he could still win downfield, but for now, it's like Zach Ertz. I think D-Hop, because of who he is, I, I would still trust him, and after that... I I don't want to trust any of the Cardinals right now.
4: It's definitely a mess in Arizona. Not sure how many of these guys I really trust. And if Marquise Brown's going to miss significant time, that really is going to impact the Cardinals offense and certainly a lot of fantasy lands for a guy who had been playing some really good football through the first six weeks. Last bit of news, Cam Akers looks like he has played his final down with the Los Angeles Rams. The news came out on Sunday that the Rams are expected to listen to trade offers for the running back. Of course, it was just a couple of years ago when everybody was high on him. It looked like he was the future in the backfield for Los Angeles. Was expected to have a big breakout season last year, then got hurt, came back for the playoffs. We've talked about this plenty of times. Was just ineffective last season, has been ineffective so far this season. So Cam Akers, let's say you have Cam Akers right now, and obviously you you haven't been able to play him because he has been bad Do you hang on and wait for a trade? Do you try and unload him on another
5: team? How do you handle this? I don't know if anyone would trade anything of value for him (laughs) right now, in fantasy at least. I think it would depend on the size of your league. If you're in like an 8- or a 10-team league, I think you just go ahead and cut bait. Like, I mean, from what he's shown us so far, you're hoping that he lands on a good team with a favorable path to consistent weekly touches, and then, then he could look like his old self. It's a lot that would have to go right. But I think if you're in a deeper format where it's harder to replace people on the waiver wire, then you could be a little bit more patient and see where he ends up.
4: I'm trying to think of where he could go where he immediately just walks into a whole bunch of touches and I don't really have any team off the top of my head where you know there isn't already somebody there or there aren't a couple of running backs that are sharing opportunities. I, I just don't know if there's a place where he immediately comes in and immediately steps to the front of the line. There will be plenty of offers. There will be plenty of suitors for Cam Akers, but nowhere that I think immediately boosts his I, fantasy I value. I can
5: see like, a team like the Texans or Giants being involved because they have a good starter, not a mm. lot of depth behind them. But, yeah, like, touches, maybe Miami. Like, Although Raheem I, Mostert seems to have kind of locked things yeah, up like, there, too. I, I, it's not like he's Christian McCaffrey, where no matter where, if McCaffrey gets traded, we know he's going to be the RB1 wherever right. he goes. Like, Cam Akers is not that player. He's not that guy, at least not at this point in his no. career. By the way,
4: that does mention that the, the Panthers say they are willing to listen to trade offers for Christian McCaffrey, too. That potentially could be a blockbuster if that were to go down. All right, let's look at our takeaways from Sunday. As we sat and watched football all day long, we learned some things. At least we hope we learned some things. So we came up with five takeaways from the
5: week. What's the first one for you? I think Travis Etienne is the Jaguars' running back one uh, moving forward right now. For a third straight week, he has now played more snaps than James Robinson. Uh, He had 10 carries this past week. Robinson had 10, but Etienne had more targets for uh, at least the second straight game in a row. And he's just been way more productive. 108 yards yesterday, just 55 for James Robinson. Robinson, I know early on, looked like his old self, but he hasn't looked that way as of late. And... I don't think it's out of the question that, like, he's still working his way back from the serious injury. The work is taking a wear and tear on James Robinson. And ETN, who's gone for over 100 yards in two straight games, they asked him after the game, like, what he thinks of his performance. And he's like, I need to get better. He's like, I'm leaving huge runs still on the field. So there is the potential maybe for him to even get better as he continues to get more and more work. I think they're going in very different directions right now. It
4: does seem that way. And like I said, I thought it was going to be the opposite where ETN got off to the hot start and then Robinson sort of caught up, but it has been the reverse. But ETN looks like that guy in Jacksonville. Since we're talking about young running backs, Kenneth Walker is who we thought he was. And there was a lot of excitement about Walker being able to take over that role after Rashad Penny's injury. And it looked like he had a great matchup to start. And he completely took advantage of that. He- big game for the Seattle Seahawks in their win over Arizona. And it was not necessarily the big explosive offensive game for the Seahawks as a whole, but Kenneth Walker proved that he can handle a big workload, that he is agile, he is explosive, he can make big plays in the running game, and he caught the ball a few times too. So right now, Kenneth Walker is showing that he's a full package, and I think it's going to make it interesting. Now, obviously, Rashad Penny is gone for the year. We don't know what his future is going to be, but... Right now, it looks like Kenneth Walker is ready to be the RB1 in Seattle. Uh,
5: elsewhere, what what else are you finding out after Sunday? Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce can both be a lot of fun in this Colts passing offense. First, like Michael Pittman Jr., the game he had yesterday, insane. 16 targets, 13 catches, 134 yards. What I liked is... That not only were they trying to take some downfield shots with him, like you see there, but like the short to intermediate area and letting him run after the catch. Like, that's something that we hadn't seen a whole lot of Michael Pittman Jr. The fact that they're doing even more of that, I think, only increases his fantasy ceiling. I still value him as like a borderline wide receiver one. And then Alec Pierce, seven targets, three catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Right here, the game-winning touchdown. This like sweet. I-, I said last week I think he earned Matt Ryan's trust. Like, there's no way he has not done that now. I know Paris Campbell had, like, the big game out of nowhere. He does that once every once in a while. I don't think that's going to become a weekly thing. But I think Pierce can be the, op- the wide receiver, too, And it's second target behind Michael
4: Pittman. And this just makes this offense so much better. If they have two legitimate wide receivers and when Jonathan Taylor gets back in healthy, now you've got three real weapons, and that makes you a lot harder to defend, and that makes maybe everybody better. I'm going to go back to the running back train and say Brees Hall right now is probably the only jet worth starting. And Brees Hall has been amazing. He's been absolutely electric. Another big game to the point that Michael Carter is – you can't start him in fantasy. I don't think you can drop him. But you definitely can't start him right now because this is Brees Hall's team. The problem is Zach Wilson's not doing anything in terms of the passing game. Garrett Wilson has sort of vanished. Elijah Moore had zero targets this week. There's nowhere else to go. Tyler Conklin, after a quick start to the season, has sort of faded from view. So the passing game is completely nothing. Michael Carter's not getting any opportunity. The Jets are feisty. I mean, they are winning games. They've got a winning record right now, but there's only one guy that you can start from this offense at this at this point.
5: And I, I think with Brees Hall, it's not a question of, is he an RB1 anymore? It's like, how many running backs would you realistically want over him right now?
4: Exactly. And I know the Dynasty folks loved him. He was their RB1, and he is showing why to this point in the season. I guess we keep the running back, the running back knowledge going right
5: now. Huh? Yeah, this one is not as fun as Brees Hall, though. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Packers running backs... They are frustrating. And I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, last week, AJ Dillon was completely phased out. He played around 30% of the snaps, six carries, no targets. And then this past week, he had more carries than Aaron Jones, 10 to 9. And he had more targets than Aaron Jones, 6 to 4. And like, this isn't even, like, a game script thing. Like, this was a game the Packers were down by multiple touchdowns for much of it. You would expect this to be an Aaron Jones game, right? Like, they're going to throw the ball a lot to Aaron Jones. No, here's Dylan with six targets for 11 yards. Like, I I, I don't feel confident trusting A.J. Dillon any week. And Aaron Jones, because of the, the usage that he's getting, I think he has an RB1 ceiling every week. He could be the highest scoring running back in any given week, but, like, I don't really feel comfortable trusting him every week as an RB1, if that I think makes he sense. he had four touches
4: in the first half, if I have that right. It was it was a ridiculously low number for an offense that is looking for any kind of spark. It surprised the heck out of me, and it makes a very frustrating offense like, right
5: now. I, I know the Jets' defense is, is playing great, but Aaron Rodgers, he throws 41 times. You expect more than 246 yards and a touchdown. The
4: Packer offense— they got issues and they're they're three and three right now and very much flailing offensively and I guess defensively in some respects too. We'll see what <laughs> happens, but definitely not what we were hoping for from Aaron Jones, even in an offense that wasn't gonna score a lot of points. Top performers for week six in fantasy. Joe Burrow went back to the Superdome. And he put up 32 and a half fantasy points. Deion Jackson got a big game for fantasy managers who had them. Ten catches, 79 receiving yards, 28 fantasy points there. Jamar Chase, he and Joe Burrow doing it again down there in New Orleans. Seven catches, a buck 32 and two tutties for 32.2 points. Mike Kosicki with a pair of touchdowns, almost 25 fantasy points. Will Lutz got you four field goals, 14 points there. And the Seahawks defense taking advantage of Arizona, 17 fantasy points for them. But let's go back and talk about that Bengals duo, specifically Jamar Chase, because people were frustrated. He hadn't put up one of those big games. And you were very much pro Jamar Chase saying, you know, you should try and acquire this guy. At least if you have him, hold on to him and be patient. If somebody's feeling antsy, maybe you try to acquire him. And yesterday we saw the reason why.
5: Yeah, I I think it's just one of those situations where Jamar Chase is just far too talented to be held in check, especially it wasn't like his targets were down. His targets were actually up this year compared to last year, so was his air yards. So, like, at some point, you know Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are just too talented to be held in check, and... Hopefully, you try to go out and get him because the, the buy low window slammed shut yesterday.
4: Yesterday's price is not today's price. After <laughs> what happened, anybody who was frustrated or a little bit antsy about him is probably not feeling that way anymore. So you're going to have to pay a higher price. Matt Ryan finally put together a huge fantasy game, and you talked about Pittman and Pierce and what that means for the Colts offense. At least for one week, it meant really good things for Matt Ryan. Do you look at this as a one-week thing, or is this maybe the start of something new with Matty Ice?
5: I think you could be hopeful that it's the start of something new. I mean, I think a lot of us forget that this offseason was like the craziest ever, and a lot of these pieces are still uh, gelling together in the first month of the season. Um, But the big thing for Matt Ryan is next week, he gets the Tennessee Titans, who have allowed a ton of fantasy points to quarterbacks and receivers. So, with a, a, there's also a lot of good quarterbacks on by next week. I think Matt Ryan is in play as a streaming option.
4: It's, it's nice to see him sort of flash back to the Matt Ryan we saw all those years in Atlanta. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, he sort of got moved when it looked like the Falcons were going heavy after Deshaun Watson. And he said, well, then if that's the case, then I don't want to be here anymore. And so there is sort of that adjustment period to a new offense, a new coaching staff, a new group of wide receivers. And at least for one week, it looks like Matt Ryan was able to put it all together. We all said this week was going to be Stevenson-Seasonson, and it absolutely was. 76 rushing yards for Ramondre Stevenson, two touchdowns on the ground, also four catches for 15 yards. Look, as long as Damian Harris is out of action, this is undoubtedly Ramondre Stevenson's backfield. And and he's a guy that belongs in starting lineups as long as he is that guy.
5: Yeah, I think as long as Damian Harris is sidelined, Ramondre Stevenson is like a, what, top 15 running back, something like that. I think he's like a high-end RB2 that brings in weekly RB1 upside. And because of what he's doing, not only on the ground, but in the passing game as well, he was dubbed like Eric Blunt Jr. when he was drafted, and he's looking the part right now.
4: Yes, he's been outstanding, and we love what he does in the passing game, but the two rushing touchdowns. A big deal as well, because that had been Damian Harris's domain. So as yeah. long as it's as long as it's just one guy, Stevenson very much startable. The Seahawks defense, six sacks, two takeaways, and maybe maybe this is less about the Seahawks defense because they have been gouged all year long. Maybe this is more about the Cardinals offense that continues to underwhelm. I tweeted that the Seahawks have been giving up nearly 31 points a game. The Cardinals scored nine. So I guess yeah. I guess some credit to the Seahawks defense, but more like what is going on with this Cardinals offense?
5: You think the Cardinals are like trying to check Cliff Kingsbury's contract that they just gave him to see if like they have an out? <laughs> There's an or, out somewhere, Because yeah, some, I mean, well, their game like what is their game plan? Their game plan is to come out and and fail for three quarters and then hope that Kyler Murray could bail them out in the fourth quarter and. I mean, Kyler did not play well yesterday either. I don't want to give him a pass, but like it's a lot to try to save your team every single game from being behind. And like something needs to change in Arizona. But my question now is like, short week, Marquise Brown's up in the air. Are the Saints a streaming option on Thursday night? They might be. They very well might be just because of all
4: the things you mentioned. You mentioned we talked about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and what his availability is going to be there are a lot of questions with Arizona right now. And so maybe you do look to stream the Saints defense if you have them or if they're available somehow on your waiver wire this week. So while we are talking about disappointments, let's talk about some of the biggest disappointments of the week. And I guess we're still staying in the (laughs) Arizona-Seattle game when you talk about disappointments.
5: Yeah, I I was pretty high on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett this past week and Geno Smith as a whole. and And that just passing game disappointed this week 31 pass attempts for geno smith less than 200 total yards dk at seven targets which you like to see two catches for 34 yards and for much of that like at halftime i was like why are they not throwing the ball to dk metcalf and then tyler lockett five targets two catches 17 yards he had been thriving against this cardinals defense so a cardinals defense that we talked about a lot coming into this week marcus like you could score on them they are very fantasy friendly but They just were able to ride Kenneth Walker, and really the game was never in doubt in the second half. So they were able to take their foot off the gas. It was weird to see because usually Seattle's in the opposite of that. (laughs) But I think better days are ahead for for this passing game. I think so.
4: And it was a thing we've talked about with Geno Smith, where he's been playing really well. And at some point you knew there was kind of a speed bump coming. Didn't see it happening this week, but. So be it. It it is certainly what happened, and it's frustrating, I know, if you started him or if you started any of his wide receivers. Similarly, we were all systems go with the 49ers offense against Atlanta. Jeff Wilson had a miserable, awful day, just .5 fantasy points. He didn't get you awful point. This week, it started early with a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, just never could get it going. The 49er offense as a whole really struggled to get anything going, but you see seven carries, 25 yards, a lost fumble, just a bad day for Jeff Wilson. And then once the Niners got down by a couple of scores, really was hard for them to try to run the football against Atlanta. There are definitely better days coming for the San Francisco running game, but this was this is one that feels like a missed opportunity because this one felt like a really good chance to get Jeff Wilson in and just nothing happened this week. And it's two weeks in a row now. Like, I'm I'm a little bit worried about him moving forward. And we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I don't know how close we are to Elijah Mitchell coming back or any of these other guys there. But you're right. The running game has not really been particularly great for San Francisco the last couple of weeks. There were some mistakes made over the weekend. There are people to be blamed. Let's get some of your foul-ups sent to us at NFL Fantasy. From FOMS21, Isaiah McKenzie over Dion Jackson. Uh, I mean, I... I I guess I get it because the Bills game was supposed to be high scoring, but once once Jonathan Taylor was ruled out, it felt like this was a Deion Jackson day.
5: Yeah, I, I think that's on you a little bit. Like I, I and Isaiah McKenzie had such a rough game yesterday. Like it it's twofold. I I did take some flack on Twitter because I said I would play like Devin Singletary over over Dion Jackson, mm-hmm. and that didn't work out great. But. Uh, I think the lesson here is no matter who the Colts running back is, Matt Ryan will throw them the we'll ball. We'll throw them the ball. I would
4: never have imagined 10 catches for Dion Jackson. That's, nope. Because I think when I looked at the box score, I saw that he had a lot of fantasy points. And I looked at the box score. I'm like, he only has 40-something rushing yards. I was like, oh, look at that. If I scroll down <laughs> a little more, I see he has 10 catches. Let's move on to this one from NFL fan. Aren't we all? Started Curtis Samuel with the crying face emoji. I feel your pain. I did the same thing in multiple leagues. There you go. So that makes you feel I guess that probably doesn't make you feel better, but at least you know you're not alone in your misery with that. I look, Curtis Samuel had been very good, so I, I sort of understand. It, that.
5: He led him in targets for what it's worth. They just he didn't he, he just if he, he catches that long touchdown that clearly was he was open and it just mm-hmm. went through his arms, like we're we're like celebrating Curtis Samuel right. right now. He was
4: fighting the football on Thursday night. <laughs> this one from night. My biggest mistake was not checking the bye weeks during the draft. I had four players starting that were on bye, five others on the bench. That's not a bad. You know thing. what? I don't I don't think that's a terrible thing. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you took the loss and you probably got smoked and it probably didn't look good, but in that case just take the L of that one week and just roll the rest of the weeks.
5: Yeah, now you have twelve weeks where you're gonna have your full roster. Where the rest of your league, like from here on until week twelve, they're gonna be dealing with buys, and you're you're good. And you basically got a Sunday off. Like you don't right. have to stress. You were like, I could just sit back and know I'm taking my L this week, and I'll get back to it next week.
4: I I've never been one to really stress out over like making sure I diversify my buy weeks. I just want the best players to put together the the best team. And if I have a whole bunch of people on buy, then hey, sometimes
5: you just you just swallow it and you just take the L especially because how much is your team going to change over the course of the season right waivers and trades and injuries and all that all that so
4: you know don't worry about it don't sweat it too much I think everything's okay last one this from Chase <laughs> MVS that's it that's the tweet yeah I don't know the, the Chiefs wide receivers are, are frustrated. Juju finally had a big game
5: and that came on a completely broken play that long touchdown he yep. had like it I I just, I still don't, like, if I have Juju right now, I think I'm trying to trade him rather than feel good about getting him in my starting line. It's a sell-high opportunity for Juju. Because if you watch that touchdown, like, legitimately three defenders right behind him run into each other, (laughs) and then he's just like, oh, man, I'm open. Yeah,
4: it's going to be like this all year long with the Chiefs wide receivers. And Mahomes warned us. He told us this is what it was going to be. They're running backs as well. Running backs as well. There's just not going to be any consistency besides Travis Kelsey, so... This might, this might not be the last time you tweet the letters MVS. <laughs> this may happen to you again. We are going to step away for a moment when we come back. We're going to look at some of the things that we thought early in the season and think about what we think of them now. A lot of thinking going on. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football <laughs> Show.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
2: Thank
3: you.
1: Offer valid on select AK systems through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
7: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts.
4: NFL Plus is the league's new exclusive video streaming subscription service. NFL Plus has your game day covered with live, local, and primetime regular season and postseason games right on your phone or tablet. NFL Plus is available in the NFL app and at NFL.com. Subscription plans start at just $4.99 per month. Fans can visit plus.nfl.com and sign up for a free trial of NFL Plus today. So we are pretty much through six weeks of the season. There's still one more game to be played on Monday night. But I feel like this is a good time for us to go back to some of the things we thought before the season started. Look at what we did that maybe wasn't quite right and how we sort of adjust going forward. So let's start with what was your preseason take that you've had to reconsider now?
5: (sighs) I was so vocal about it, too. (laughs) That's the worst thing about it. I tweeted about it. I did podcasts about it. It's Kyle Pitts in the third round no matter what. Like, I thought Kyle Pitts would be right up there with Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. In fact, I thought he had higher upside than those guys as well. And I didn't factor in that Arthur Smith was going to be, you know, trying not to use his best players. He did score a touchdown last night. And the Falcons had this awesome tweet right here where this fan just comes running down the stairs rips open his like Like button down superman style right like it could not have gone more perfect and he's got the kyle pitts jersey after under it he celebrates with another person in the kyle pitts uniform and to be honest i wish there was a camera on me when (laughs) kyle pitts scored this touchdown because i legitimately jumped off of my couch and was like celebrating like i had just caught a touchdown um the thing with Kyle Pitts, though, right now, Marcus, is, like, I don't think you could trade him. Yeah, no. I wouldn't draft him in the third round if I can now, but I have him on my rosters because I did take him. So, I I think I'm just going to ride it out with Kyle Pitts. I, They're not going to be playing with a lead every game. Like, next week, they get the Bengals, who've struggled against tight ends. I'm, I'm still hopeful in Kyle Pitts, but, yeah, third round was a huge swing and miss.
7: Here's
4: the thing. Yes, he's not giving you what you expected when you drafted him if you spent a third-round pick on him, but... At this point, when you figure there are only two real productive tight ends in fantasy football, he essentially is no worse off than anybody else that you are probably starting on a week-to-week basis. The floor is low. The ceiling's probably pretty low. There's a wide amount of variance in there. So, yeah, you're not happy with Kyle Pitt's production right now, but... You can't. Really, who, who are you going to move on from? Through, Where are you gonna through go?
5: six weeks right now, Travis Kelsey is one hundred and thirty-one fantasy points. Mm. Mark Andrews has one hundred and fifteen. No one else has eighty at the tight end position. Oof. That's brutal.
4: <laughs> we talked about the advantage. I,
5: only one other tight end has over seventy. Like that's it, what, it's,
4: it's T.J. Hawkinson, isn't it? it uh, Zach Ertz, Zach right? Zach Ertz, Ertz.
5: That's why right. he passed him up
4: after after yesterday. Like
5: Travis Kelsey's like seventy points ahead of the tight end five. Oof. It's insane. That's
4: brutal. That is brutal. Well, for me, I thought Russell Wilson was ready to ride in Denver. I mean, he had pulled out the line. Lo- we all knew the Broncos country let's ride thing was corny. It was forced. But, you know, we would we went with it because it seemed like things were going to happen in Denver. And they have happened, just not in a good way. The Broncos offense has sputtered. Russell Wilson has given you one good game in fantasy. And even that was not a great game. It was just an okay game. Other than that, it's been an absolute mess. Cortland Sutton has been really the only pass catcher you can trust. Devontae Williams going down certainly changed some things in that passing game. And now you're stuck with Russell Wilson where you can't play him every week. But you're also, if you have I mean, maybe you're dropping him if you're in an 8 or 10 team league. Beyond that, you, you don't really want to put him back on the waiver wire just in case things happen. So now you're really stuck trying to stream or platoon quarterbacks every week in a situation where you thought – hey, look, I'm, I'm not going to spend up for a top-level quarterback. I'm going to get one of these sort of second-tier guys in the middle rounds, and I'm going to ride with him, no pun intended, and have it be good all season long. <laughs> Russ has completely submarined that idea, and now if you've got Russell Wilson, you are out on the waiver wire scrounging, trying to find a week-to-week replacement because you just can't trust him at this point.
5: Yeah, and and you were far from the only one who, who believed in Russ. I mean, we've seen him on prime time every single week because we thought that this offense was going to be great for fantasy and i think right now the only thing we have to hold our hat on is maybe this shoulder injection helps him and he plays better hope so hopefully he's he got some adamantium or something put in that that arm i don't know what's
4: going to happen but it, it's been rough to start the season so now that we've gotten through that we are you know a third of the way through the NFL season, what strategy adjustments would you make
5: for your rosters for the rest of the way? I would be looking to trade my RB1 for a wide receiver one Mm -hmm. right now because uh, you talk about like Russell Wilson struggling, Aaron Rodgers has struggled a lot, Matt Stafford, a lot of different quarterbacks have struggled, so there's not nearly as much depth at the receiver position, at least towards the top of it. There's a whole clump of like, players who in any given week can give you similar numbers, but at the top, it's very, very limited. So yeah, I understand like if you have a Barkley or an Eckler or a CMC, you might be hard pressed, not want to give them up, but there's very few elite wide receiver ones right now, like Diggs, Cup, Hill, uh, I'll put Jefferson in there, Chase. Um, I, I think like Amon Ross St. Brown could be in that mix, but like, at, like the wide receiver... Depth is not what it was coming into the year. And the running back, like every week there's a new RB1 you can grab on the waiver wire. So I would be looking to make that trade, trade my RB1 and get an elite, a wide receiver one if possible.
4: I think we're seeing very much a stratification at some positions where there are elite guys that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And you talk about wide receivers, right? You've got Cooper Cup. You've got Justin Jefferson. Those guys who are just light years out in front of everybody else. And then you have a whole group of guys that are... Good, but not great. It kind of, like you said, they have the potential any given week to be wide receiver ones, but maybe sort of profile as more fringe or more high-end wide receiver twos. There's a whole lot of those guys, and that makes for some frustrating, I think, lineup
5: setting, because you don't know week to week who going to My best teams right now are the ones where I took, like, Cup or Diggs in round one, mm-hmm. and like, it, the ones where I took a running back in round one, those are the teams that I'm like, oh, like, this team needs some help right now. Right. So, along those lines, though, if you were lucky enough to
4: get one of the top running backs, if you have a Saquon. Or an Eckler or a CMC, I would actually try to acquire some of those other sort of underwhelming RB1s, those guys that people spent a high draft pick on who might be frustrated with those guys. So look at looking at a Najee Harris, looking at a James Conner, maybe a Joe Mixon, those guys who are out here getting high usage, but maybe aren't putting up fantasy numbers. I wouldn't do that. Look, if, if your running back situation is sort of a mess, I don't think you go out and add these guys. You don't need to add more headaches to your roster. But if you have a, at least one running back that you feel good in, why not go and try to add these other guys? Because at some point, you got to feel like the usage is going to help the production, that Najee Harris isn't going to be this bad all year long, and that James Conner, when he gets healthy, will start to be a little bit more productive. And once that happens, then you're looking at a case where you have a really solid running back roster heading into the fantasy playoffs. Because there are going to be some teams in your league that are needing help right now and might be willing to part with a guy that is really frustrating for them and that helps you down the long run. So, you know, take a look at your roster, see where you are, see how you're positioned in terms of the postseason and maybe you can add that running back depth that will be very crucial for you once you get to the postseason. So, looking at this and looking at what's happened so far this season, let's kind of spin it forward to next season. When you're talking draft strategy, what are you going to think about doing next year that maybe you didn't do this year?
5: I I think it's time to stop being afraid to pay up for the elite options at the quarterback position. And I was just saying earlier about how much of a, an uh, advantage Travis Kelsey is at the tight end position, but you look at quarterbacks right now, Josh Allen has 173 points. No one else has 150. And then like, there's a bigger, there's a huge fall off after the top four as well. So like, I put it on Twitter last night. I said, Josh Allen's been the QB1 two years in a row. He's currently the QB1 right now. He is one game under 25 fantasy points all year, and that's 23. uh, And there's no other quarterback within 25 fantasy points of him. Is he a first-round pick in one quarterback leagues next year? And it's 50-50 yes and no. And I'm like, at some point, I know you talk about this all the time, like, There needs to be an advantage to drafting the best player at the quarterback position. And I think it's finally here with Allen being this much better than
4: the rest of the pack. That's the part of it, too, because everybody talks about the reason you don't go early is because the opportunity cost. What are you missing and what's the positional value? But... If Josh Allen is this much better than everybody else at the position, then his positional value suddenly gets a real kick. It gets a real boost. And now the opportunity cost for drafting him versus, say, taking a top-end running back or a top-end wide receiver, maybe that opportunity cost isn't quite as great. And I feel like this is going to be a conversation for the rest of the year. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with what, Allen finishes as or how much ahead of the pack he potentially finishes this year, but it's going to be an interesting question. And I think it also trickles down to Jalen hurts and to Lamar Jackson. How high are we willing to take them? Are you willing to spend a second round pick on a Jalen Hurts. I think that's the
5: beautiful thing. Like I think because of how our fantasy community and brains are wired, like no one's gonna want to be the person that takes Josh Allen in the first round. So if you're able to get him in like the second round and then you pair him with an elite guy at another position, if that's the case next year, I will probably have a lot of him. And he's a player that I had none of this year because I was like, I'm not reaching for a quarterback but there's
4: an advantage at some point well between that and the top end tight ends and you talked about the gap between Kelsey and you know the guys behind him I tweeted yesterday that maybe next year I'm going to go round one Mark Andrews, round two Josh Allen, and then I'll figure out the rest.
5: If someone out there right now has Kelsey and Allen on their roster,
4: they are, they have such an advantage that the rest of the league does not have. They right are, they're running away with it probably
5: yeah. early on this season.
4: So for me, what I really want to do next year is target players that are in up-tempo offenses, but up-tempo offenses that move the football. There are a lot of teams out there that are running tempo and are going fast not all of them are going anywhere. Sometimes you're running tempo and you're going three and out, and that's no good. Yeah. But part of the reason we love the Bills offense, part of the reason we love the Chiefs is because – Not only are they going fast, but they're also able to consistently move the football. And that doesn't mean you score a touchdown on every single drive, but it does mean that you're moving the ball, you're getting first downs, you're staying on the field. It's part of the reason that the Seahawks have become an interesting offense to have because they have gone more up-tempo, and on top of it, they're actually possessing the football, they're getting the ball down the field, they're sustaining drives, and these are the things we're looking for. It's what we saw out of the Bengals last season. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a thing that we start to look at when you start to get into the offseason, and you're looking back on last year, what are the teams that that played up-tempo but also were consistently moving the football? Because, sure, the Jaguars are playing a little bit faster, but if they're going three and out all the time, it doesn't make them quite as interesting. Similarly, you look at a team like the Green Bay Packers, where in the past, yeah, they were moving the football, but they weren't quite as up-tempo. And so because of that, you had limited options there. So I think when you're talking about drafting players and you you have a couple of guys that you are sort of, 50-50 on. I think the speed of their offense really is
5: going to have a lot to do with who you're drafting next year. I I think that's really and, and just I like yes, it has to be on a good offense. I think that's the good caveat because I I remember a friend over the show graham Barfield tweeting like after week 3 that the pay, uh, Panthers were like top 3 in pace but bottom 3 in plays ran and I'm like <laughs> that is what you don't want to be. But it's true like you just want players on productive offenses that are going to get the most opportunities each week. Right. And I know it sounds
4: simple, right? Like pick players from good teams, but I think sometimes we look around, and especially with wide receivers, right? we fall into the, hey man somebody's got to catch the football argument a lot and that doesn't always work out yes, you get outliers like Christian McCaffrey who was really good on a bad offense, but more often than not those guys just tend to be mediocre at best.
5: Not only is it someone's got to catch the ball here, but it's like, but look, there's three receivers on this good offense. It could, but it's like, but when they're running that many plays per week and the offense is that good, there is enough to sustain multiple options. All those guys can usually eat. That's why we love Cincinnati for, uh, for yep. so much in the draft.
4: Let's get some of the top waiver wire targets for the
5: week. Florio, who's on your list? Trevor Lawrence, who played really well this past week. Marcus Mariota, who continues to do it with his legs and is a good matchup against the Bengals. Justin Fields, I don't love the matchup, but if you're going a little bit deeper at quarterback, same thing with Danny Dimes there against the Jags next week. Uh, running backs, Kenyon Drake, because J.K. Dobbins' knee was bothering him yesterday, and Drake played really well. Brian Robinson, don't forget about what he did on Thursday night. And Deion Jackson, I know he's not useful if, if uh, Jonathan Taylor returns, but have him on your roster because of what he did this past week. Uh, and then some wide receivers. Alec Pierce, I think, is the top receiver to grab. Darnell Mooney, if he's available in your league, getting more work as of late. Wondell Robinson returning this week, scored a touchdown. Rondell Moore because Marquise Brown is up in the air right now. And then uh, Evan Ingram getting more work. And in a revenge game next week, Big Bob Tunyon getting more volume. And then K-Dot and... Uh, the tight end has been getting more work in Tampa Bay, and unfortunately we saw Cameron Brait exit yesterday due to injury. Yeah, but keep an eye on Cameron
4: Brait, but yeah, it didn't look good for him, so that could mean some more opportunities for Kate Otten. By the way, you want some more in-depth analysis on some of these waiver wire picks, be sure to check out Matt Okada's column. NFL.com slash waiver wire comes out every Monday, so... Uh, Click over there and give that one a look. But let's talk about some of the guys that were on this list here. Kenyon Drake, you mentioned he really got a big opportunity because J.K. Dobbins' knee got stiff. The Ravens were taking it cautious with him. We still aren't sure when Gus Edwards is going to be back. I I will take a little bit of pride in saying that I grabbed Kenyon Drake as an emergency start, and it certainly worked out. Didn't think it would work out for nearly 20 fantasy points. I would have been happy with, like, 9 or 10, but – this does beg the question, can we see Kenyon Drake maybe getting more opportunity even when JK Dobbins is back and ready to go?
5: I think so because like JK Dobbins, I mean if the if his knees getting stiff and we're still worried about him and like that that's a legit concern moving forward, right? And Kenyon Drake has shown us that he can be an effective running back. I mean, we've had a lot of different people show us that they can be effective running in this Lamar Jackson offense, but Drake played great yesterday. He He handled a bunch of snaps. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, really, we didn't see him again after the first quarter, and I I was wondering, like, what is going on? He's someone that I was talking up this week. I like the matchup, and... Now, I'm just like, if I, I don't have J.K. Dobbins in many places, but if I have him, like, how can you really feel good about starting him next week? I have him in a couple
4: of places, not a ton, but I do have him in a couple of lineups. And I do have to wonder, like, what is the issue and how cautious are the Ravens going to be with him? But what you saw out of Kenyon Drake also reinforces that Baltimore wants to run the football. And I think they've been very heavy on Lamar trying to throw it which seems great until you remember that their wide receiver group is okay. It's not special. And so now you wonder if they get back to basics running the football. Brian Robinson, you mentioned, look, it wasn't a pretty game against against the Chicago Bears last week. Washington did pull it out. But it does look like Brian Robinson is ready to sort of take over in that Washington backfield. I know we saw a little bit of Antonio Gibson, but it looks like the rookie is sort of ready to roll back there.
5: Yeah, I think he is the top Washington commander running back to roster. Um, he led them in snaps, 17 carries there. That being said, I still think he's just a flex option right now until he shows us more. He scored a touchdown to get in double-digit fantasy points, but this was a game where it was closed throughout. I- I'm not sure the commanders are going to be playing with the lead in many <laughs> games, especially like next week against the Packers. Um I think Robinson is a flex guy because when they're trailing, we know we're gonna see a lot of JD McKissick and Antonio Gibson I think is borderline droppable at this point.
4: Definitely droppable. I thought I was thinking the same thing about Antonio Gibson, but he did get some work last week. So I don't I don't know where I stand on Antonio Gibson at the moment. Also of note, Carson Wentz. Injured that hand, might have a fracture in his finger. And is supposed to be getting more tests this week, so we'll see what his status is as we get closer to the end of the week. Rondale Moore, we kind of talked about the Cardinals and you know, Marquise Brown and his injury situation there. Rondell Moore has been playing okay, not necessarily great, but he got almost 11 fantasy points this past week. He's never going to be a huge part of the Arizona passing game, but if the Cardinals figure it out, Rondell Moore does at least have some path to targets there, and at least in deeper leagues, feels like he's worth an add.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. I think if Marquise Brown didn't get hurt yesterday, I, I wouldn't really uh, be too excited about Rondell Moore with, with D-Hop returning, but we don't know the status of Marquise Brown, so... Uh, so Rondell Moore's role might not really change. It might just be like, all right, there's a new number one here, but I'm still playing this complementary role. I think when they're fully healthy, Moore takes a big hit. But who knows how long what, what Marquise Brown is dealing with right now? I also would
4: love to see them use more kind of more downfield. Supposed to just screen passes,
5: little swings, whatever. They, they like last year. He had this lowest air yards per target, I think, in the hist- in Next Weeks, history in sets history. Like let, let this guy. Like that's what we were excited about him coming out of college.
4: Yeah, he's he's a glorified running back basically. They yeah. just use him as a pass catching back almost, and that's sort of weird. You mentioned Big Bob Tunyon, who had a ton of targets for the Packers this past week. I know he's very hard to peg on a week to week basis, but then again, so is the tight end position. So it feels like Tunyon. I mean, it's hard to do worse at this point at tight end.
5: Yeah, like, I, I don't love his matchup next week, but at some point it's like, all right, I mean, this is his 12 targets yesterday is, is huge volume. He's now had at least seven in two of his last four games. This is the thing with him. Like, he could come out next week and give you two targets, and you're like, why Why did I pick this guy up and start him? But <laughs> this is what the Packers' passing game kind of has been. Like, Alan Lazard is safe. Romeo Dobbs is safe, at least volume-wise. And then the third target is going to be someone different every week. I Up think. in the air. We thought
4: maybe it'd be Aaron Jones. That that doesn't seem to be consistent. So maybe Bob Tunyon is also in the mix for for some of those opportunities. So if you are adding guys, it means you are probably going to have to be dropping guys as well. Who is somebody that no longer needs to occupy space on your roster?
5: Elijah Moore. Uh, it, we had very high hopes for him coming into this year and in a game yesterday, like two weeks ago, the Jets scored 40 points and Elijah Moore didn't do anything. And then yesterday he legitimately did not do anything. He did not have a target. That's why there's no B-roll right now. Cause there's no targets of Elijah Moore <laughs> yesterday playing against the green Bay Packers. And this is what Elijah Moore tweeted after the game. He said, if I say what I really want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. We're winning. Grateful. Huge blessing. All I ever wanted. But bittersweet for me because I'll be solid. I'm just staying quiet. Just know I don't understand either. Like, he's saying, like, hey, throw me the ball, but I can't say that because we're winning games right now.
4: Basically, he's like, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but understand that I want to say what I want. Like, <laughs> we know what you're saying. We, You basically said it without actually saying it, but Elijah Moore has – just not produced at all. He's just not been a part of it. I don't know that it's his fault, but he's just not getting opportunities. Russell Gage was a guy that I thought had some sleeper potential, especially early in the season as Chris Godwin was working his way back from injury, and it just really has never materialized. And even with Julio Jones not being in action, Julio out again this past week, you're still not getting a ton out of Russell Gage. Not a lot of targets, not a lot of yards. It's an offense that basically revolves around three people. It's Chris Godwin, it's Mike Evans, it's Leonard Fournette. That's kind of it in Tampa, and I don't see it getting any better. I mean, we're talking about maybe starting Kate Otten because he seems to have a better outlook. Russell Gage at this point can go back to the waiver wire, and, and you're not going to miss a whole lot of anything there. Wrap up the show with this week's edition of Madden Movers, the guys who played well on Sunday that we think deserve a bit of a ratings boost in Madden. So
5: who's your first one this week? Deion Jackson, I mean, he is currently the RB1 on the week. And right now in Madden, he's rated as 62 overall. I get it. As two weeks ago, most even diehard Colts fans would have been like, who is Deion Jackson? But, like, this guy is good. He is performing well for Jonathan Taylor. He needs a boost.
4: Definitely think Deion Jackson needs a boost. I also think Bailey Zappi deserves a boost because the Browns got zapped this week. And two weeks in a row, Zappi has gone out and played well this week, over 300 passing yards and a couple of touchdowns, but really has stepped in for Mac Jones and done a very good job of keeping this Patriots offense afloat. He is a 63 overall. Maybe he needs
5: a little bit of a bump this week. I think uh, Tyreek Hill, who's already rated a 97, I think it's time he joins the 99 overall club because coming into the year, we were like, can he be the same without Patrick Mahomes? He's done it with Tua. He's done it with Teddy Bridgewater. He's done it with Skylar Thompson. It doesn't matter. Like yesterday, 177 yards. He leads the NFL in receiving yards. This guy is just a freak, and at some point we need to be like, he, he's the best in the league. He does deserve a 99, I think. I
4: think we should start that hashtag, get Tyreek to the 99 club. I'll finish this off with Paris Campbell. We talked about Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. We have one more P to get there in Indianapolis. <laughs> 11 targets, 7 catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. He's a 74 overall. We already knew him as a speed guy. Maybe he gets a little bit of a bump up overall as well, and it's its the Triple P club. It's Pittman, Pierce, and Paris apparently in indianapolis there you go those are our madden movers for week six of course you can subscribe to this show and you can get plenty of fantasy goodness all week long as we will include in your feed the q a show a couple times a week the stardom sit show as well that one comes on thursday you can of course check out all our shows in the nfl fantasy app the nfl channel and at youtube.com slash nfl fantasy football and like i said if you subscribe to one of them you get all of them in your podcast feed. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, we all need a six-month vacation twice a year. Be safe, take care of yourselves, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.